So as we continue our series of one anothering, um, my hope is to build upon what we've discussed so far. Uh, last week being uh, an exhortation on how we should bear each other's burdens. We talked about prior to that, praying for and caring for one another. In this devotional, we'll explore the importance of encouragement and how we can be encouragers in our daily lives. We'll draw from the examples in scripture and then conclude with practical application. You know, in, in preparation for this, uh, it was a pretty good sign that I was asked to do it again. Uh, quite encouraging, actually. So I welcome tonight's message around encouraging one another. It's a relatable topic I think we've all at some point in our lives experienced, and probably on both sides of it. I've personally dealt with bouts of discouragement all the time, from school-related or job-related. You ever submit an application and never hear back? Or you hear back, but you're told no. Or unfortunately, you were not selected, accepted, or hired. I remember when I was applying to schools growing up, whenever the return letter would come in the mail, I'm sure they do it over email now, but back then a physical letter was also sent. And I would never read them entirely. I would just scan for negative words like, unfortunately, despite, thank you, but. That little transition there, the thank you, but, it was peak level disappointment. followed by a fresh cup of discouragement. Can anyone relate relate to that? Over the years, it's also happened in my Christian walk as well. At times, believing God to do a work in my life only to be challenged in the areas of patience, contentment, not getting weary while waiting. Lacking faith is a very discouraging place to be. But tonight, brethren, we're going to dive into encouragement. Examples of encouragement and ways we can be encouraging to others in love. Let's ask God's blessing and prayer really quickly. Lord, I pray that you would guide us tonight, Lord, edify your body. Use me, Lord, as a vessel to just augment your truth. Convict our hearts, Father. And allow us to see through your word examples of how you encourage your people and give us hope and draw us closer to you, Lord. And anyone who may be hearing this and doesn't know you, Father, I pray, Lord, that they would look to you as their primary source of encouragement and not to the world, not to themselves. In Jesus' name, amen. In ancient Greek, the word encouragement actually referred to someone who spoke alongside another person, offering comfort and consolation in times of distress or grief. It also refers to exhortation, advice, or support provided to someone to help them through a difficult situation or to motivate them towards a particular goal. 
the Bible instructs us to encourage each other by speaking words of encouragement to those around us. This is, this is especially important during times of difficulty or hardship, when people may be feeling discouraged and in need of support. Tonight we're going to navigate some encouraging examples in scriptures where the call to build up the brethren is magnified, giving glory to God. We'll take a look at some figures we all know and then examine some practical ways we can encourage each other. Let's start in the, in the book of Hebrews, if you wouldn't mind turning to Hebrews chapter 3. I'm reading from the ESV version as well, like the Bibles that we have in the pews in front of you if you don't have your own. And we'll just look at verses 12 to 14. And it says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. End verse. The author of Hebrews here puts an urgent emphasis on exhort. And in the word today there almost reminds us we never know when the day comes that Jesus has returned. So there shouldn't be a day that goes by where we don't feel called or compelled to encourage one another, to be a source of exhortation, which means to strongly encourage or urge someone to take a specific action or follow a particular course of behavior or thought. And in Christian context, we hear exhortations each Sunday from our elders encouraging us to live according to our faith and pursue spiritual growth and maturity. Hebrews 3 is primarily concerned with encouraging believers to do exactly that. Persevere in faith and remain steadfast in an unwavering commitment to Christ. The chapter goes on to warn believers not to harden their hearts or turn away from God, as many of the Israelites did in the wilderness. Reminds us that those who rebelled against God were unable to enter His rest and urges them to strive to enter that rest through faith in Christ. Overall, the message of that chapter is one of encouragement and exhortation to not only persevere in faith, but to avoid the pitfalls of unbelief and disobedience. By considering Jesus and His faithfulness as believers, we can find strength and hope to endure the challenges and trials of life and to continue following Christ with confidence and perseverance. And as the Holy Spirit ministers to and encourages us, we are also to be led by that same Holy Spirit to encourage others. We all need encouragement. There hasn't been a perfect Christian born of fallen man to ever walk this earth. We all go through our ups and our downs. 
And guess what? We all need encouragement. And we should all seek out opportunities to encourage others. Let's look at what Paul wrote in the book of Romans. I'm only going to reference verse 4 in chapter 15, but if you'd like to follow along, there he wrote, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of, Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Amen. What an example we have of encouraging others in the Apostle Paul. But as the story goes, Paul's legacy didn't exactly begin the way it ended. As much of an encourager, comforter, deliverer of, com- of convicting and edifying messages as Paul was, even he needed encouragement as he was fully walking out his calling committed to the Lord. And the countless examples of how he grieved for the reconciliation of God's people back to himself. Paul longed to see all believers encouraged in Christ. But if you met Paul by his former name, you would have thought that the last thing he wanted to do was encourage others. And in examining Paul's life, I actually enjoyed studying the life of Barnabas. I'd like to illustrate his example of encouragement to the Apostle Paul. Can anyone tell me what the name Barnabas Barnabas actually means, by the way? That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. The name Barnabas is... Aramaic in origin and means son of encouragement or son of consolation. Let's look at Acts chapter 4. If you want to turn with me to Acts chapter 4, we're going to start at verses 36. So here in Acts chapter 4, we actually see Barnabas by his given name, which is Joseph. Verse 36 begins, Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Just a quick example of the character of Joseph and why the name Barnabas was quite fitting. It's almost like a nickname of sorts, but again, spoke to his character, and we can see what he meant to Paul 
and other believers around that time of Acts. In the passage, Barnabas is introduced as a generous man who supports the community by selling his possessions and giving the proceeds to the apostles. As we look at the life of Barnabas in the text, we see a man who embodied the true spirit of encouragement. Staying in Acts, let's head over to chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Here we'll set the stage and also reflect a bit on who Saul was. Now a new convert, who, known by Paul, but had already had a reputation. And in a somewhat awkward way, I, I envision a yet apprehensive experience amongst believers and even the apostles for the very first time. After his conversion to Christianity, Paul was initially met with suspicion and fear by the other believers. This is because those who knew him as Saul recalled him being a persecutor of Christians, and his sudden transformation was difficult for many to believe. So we can see this play out in Acts 9. I'm going to go to verses 26 through 31 and begin there. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. But they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. But noticed initially that didn't go so swimmingly for Paul. And as we look at Barnabas as the example of encouragement, it's particularly powerful when we consider Paul's past. How many people would have advocated for him at that time? Paul was a persecutor of the church, and he had done many terrible things before he was converted. But Barnabas was willing to look past that and see the potential in Paul that others did not see. He could see the good that God had placed in his life and could attest to the work God was doing in his life. But the fact remains, to many, Paul was known for who he was as Saul. So there was a risk there that Barnabas took by vouching for Paul and bringing him into the community of believers in Jerusalem. 
But he supported Paul and helped him to be accepted by the other believers, especially amongst the apostles. And, you know, the hesitancy likely warranted. I probably wouldn't have trusted Paul either, initially at least. In today's age, how many times have we missed an opportunity to build someone up due to a a predisposition or fear? Suspicions about whether someone is truly a believer or not. I challenge myself to see past that and be more intentional to come alongside another, understand who they are, where they're coming from, meet them where they are, encourage them, build them up in the Lord, share the gospel with them if they've never heard it before. We will know by the fruit, but we should be an active pursuer of Christ, glorified in all people. And we need to take the time to get to know them, given the opportunity. I'm sure when I first came to faith, there were probably suspicions about me. Certainly, due to my own actions and the environments I chose to put myself in. Could you blame anyone for being a little weary of Paul? People seeing him, wondering, was this some sort of trick? Some wicked ruse that will only lead to more atrocities that he'd already committed? Brethren, we may encounter people who have made mistakes or have had a difficult past. It can be easy to judge them, to avoid them. But Barnabas, his example reminds us that we are called to encourage others, even in difficult situations. Barnabas played a key role in mentoring and encouraging Paul in his early ministry. And look at the blessing Paul became to believers as Barnabas' act of encouragement and hospitality likely influenced and changed the course of Paul's life and his ministry. And we can, we can later see in Acts, if you want to go with me to Acts 11, in Acts 11, when Paul first began preaching in Antioch, it was Barnabas who went to Tarsus to bring him back to Antioch to work with him. If you look at verse 25, it reads, So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So Barnabas was right alongside Paul during what was likely quite a very uneasy time for the people Paul tried to reach. And from there, they embarked on a missionary journey to continue spreading the gospel to other regions across Asia Minor. So we see Barnabas, formerly known as Joseph, but this son of encouragement 
known as an encourager because of his ability to lift up and support others, particularly those who were new to the Christian faith or facing difficult circumstances. Do you have anyone like that in your life? Are you, are you that someone to someone else in your life? An advocate? Someone more than a friend? I think we can all stick up for each other. This church should be full of Barnabases and Barnabels for the, for the ladies. How encouraged Paul must have been to have a brother like Barnabas alongside him, especially given it was early in his ministry. And for Paul to have been so bold in his faith, it probably helped to have had someone who could stand beside him in encouragement, but also in agreement with God's word. And I can imagine the type of impact that must have had on the receptiveness of those hearing that very truth for the first time. I almost put myself in the shoes of what the apostles must have originally felt like. Just imagine what their faces must have looked like when Barnabas brings him in, vouches for him, but they're all kind of still looking like, What's Saul doing here? But having had an advocate in Barnabas must have been a blessing. And to think about the type of advocate Christ is for us when God looks at us in our own sin and has every right to be skeptical. It's been some time since the last time I evangelized here in Kearney, but I think back to the very last time I did do it alongside other brothers and sisters here, and what an an encouragement it was to go out and preach the good news and share the hope we have in Christ with many whom we encounter are non-believers. The praying together, the enduring, the, the no thank yous or just head downs and continue to walk. But alongside each other, not being discouraged. But also the feeling of rejoice when the Holy Spirit leads us into conversations that lead to the many names we end up praying for on Sunday. Even now, I pray that seeds were planted and the Lord would draw near to any hearts that were open to the gospel on that day and on every other day that we've done that in this community. Maybe you're someone who's listening to this recording right now who hasn't even stepped foot inside this church but was introduced to the gospel via a conversation you had on Kearney Avenue. Just know we prayed for you. And if you're listening, be encouraged. We all need encouragement, brethren. And we should all seek to be an encouragement to others. 
especially spiritually. Today, it's practically accepted by the world to fall astray. There's almost these communities that welcome in, oh, you turned your back on the church as well? What'd they do to you? How are you slighted? You see it all the time. Christians who seemingly seem to be professing Christ, professing belief in our Savior, and then 180. We see it time and time again, denouncing the faith for reasons that probably boil down to lack of encouragement. And I mean accountable, scripture-rich encouragement. Not condoning sin or lukewarm behavior that usually leads to a fractured, compromised faith. There's nothing inherently wrong with a pat on the back as a show of comfort. And we learned about the importance of comforting others. But there is so much more we can do, brethren, when the opportunity arises to be of encouragement to others. Let the weight of how we encourage others be more impactful than just kind words. And let God draw near to convicted hearts and the Holy Spirit bring peace and clarity. Sometimes that may mean we have tough conversations. Other times, it's a sweet praise and reinforcement of God's goodness. But we don't serve a a pat-on-the-back God. God doesn't see our struggles and tell us to just hang in there. You know, many of you know I used to play baseball. Very competitively, too. I got to travel the country to play a game I dedicated a large portion of my younger years to. Sports is such a breeding ground for all forms of communication. Both good and bad. Encouragement, discouragement, disparagement. Tons of negativity and positivity. So muting out the negativity was half the battle. At least for me. But one thing that always got under my skin when I, when I desire impactful encouragement after a bad game or maybe a challenging situation I was in, especially in college, were the words, hang in there. Ugh. Looking back at it, it just felt so dismissive. Like, what, what could I tangibly do with the words, hang in there? When honestly, the way I was feeling, I just wanted to hang it up. Call it quits. I needed someone to dive into my situation with me. Help me dissect why I felt that way. What can be done to fix it? What areas, perhaps, was I simply blind, blind to that I didn't even know needed fixing? Now, had I gotten the words hang in there spewed at me in an insensitive tone, in a demeaning way? No, not exactly. But it didn't really make me feel encouraged. I really had no clarity on what, I, on what was going wrong. I just felt like I was broken and needed help fixing. I wanted different results, but didn't know what to do differently. And there's a whole other sermon of a direction that could be taken with that. 
But thinking about the Apostle Paul, Paul probably would have made a great baseball coach. But thinking about the Apostle Paul, God uses his people to be exactly what we need, when we need it, and importantly, how we need it. Sometimes encouragement is loving, yet it's stern. Paul, the great encourager he was, who built a ministry literally of building others up, sometimes came in the form of a loving rebuke. But we can also rejoice and be encouraged by the fruit that we saw in his ministry as well. I'm going to head over to Corinthians now. If you want to turn to 2 Corinthians. I want to look at Paul's letter. And I'm going to jump around 2 Corinthians a little bit. But the encouragement here is Paul didn't write the letter to the church at Corinth simply saying, hang in there, church. Jesus is coming back soon. Sort of a figurative pat on the back. Paul connects with the church on a deep and emotional level. And he encourages the body by addressing issues directly. He is concerned about false teachers who have infiltrated the church and are leading the Corinthians astray, as well as various sins and immoral behaviors that have arisen in the community. And it isn't, it, it isn't just a finger-pointing lecture. Paul was enduring his own hardships around the same time as well. In 2 Corinthians 1, if we look at verses 8 and 9, Paul speaks of a, a severe affliction that he faced in Asia, which caused him to despair of life itself. He explains that this experience taught him to not only to, it taught him to rely not on, to not on himself, but on God who raises the dead. Similarly, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul describes the trials and difficulties he faced in his ministry, including persecution and affliction, but he expresses his faith that God's power will sustain him through it all. As a matter of fact, that's the verse I actually like to read with you. Let's read that together. Verses 8 through 11 in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says here, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So Paul has the attention of Corinth we can see here, pleading, he's pleading and strongly encouraging them to examine themselves and be on guard for things not of God. So when he wrote about having heard back from Titus, whom he sent there, 
How encouraging must it have been for him to express joy looking at chapter 7 regarding the spiritual growth of believers there. Here we'll look at Titus and reflect on Titus for a moment. And Titus will be my last example before we wrap up with practical application. But the journey of Titus is an encouraging one. And his relationship with Paul exemplifies how encouragement in Christ is so impactful. In the story of Titus, we see a powerful example of the impact that encouragement can have in the life of a believer. Titus and Paul developed a close relationship through their shared missionary work and mutual faith. Right away, we see the encouraging way Paul viewed Titus. Just looking at the epistles and the way in which Paul wrote to him, it's clear Titus was like a protege, providing guidance and instructions on how to lead and manage the early Christian communities. And certainly, Titus likely faced similar challenges and obstacles in his ministry as Paul did. Maybe he wasn't viewed as a murderer. But it wasn't an easy street. But to be so encouraged to send Titus and, to, and then to also be encouraged by what he heard back from Titus, it's no surprise their relationship and the way in which Paul encouraged Titus by sending him on various gospel missions, including Corinth, but also Crete. And he did so with godly instruction of how to encourage believers and build up the body in spite of the spiritual conditions of the people he was called to preach to. And as we see in Scripture, places like Creek were no walk in the park on a sunny day with friendly dogs and happy children swinging on the playground. As a matter of fact, if you turn with me to Titus, Titus 1, you can see in verses 12 and 13, a Cretan prophet who actually gives an opinion of his own people. Verse 12, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts. Lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. So imagine Titus walking into a town defiled by sin and unsound doctrine. And Paul says to him, go, go there and rebuke them sharply. (laughs) Yet Paul reminded Titus of his calling and encouraged him to stay focused on the task at hand, giving many instructions for how to teach and train the believers in Crete. 
He emphasizes the importance of sound doctrine and righteous living, and he encourages Titus to be an example of these qualities himself. What an example that we can learn from. Of how we can encourage others. Encourage them in Christ. Come alongside them. How can you edify a brother or sister? Not in your own self-centered opinion. Not in anything that doesn't lead them back to where our hope resides in. I love the way chapter 2, Titus chapter 2, ends because it points back to Christ. When we encourage others, when we lovingly rebuke others, in no way is it a boast in ourselves or that we have a superior right or place to say or do anything. Yet the reason why we do it is to bring glory to God. As a matter of fact, if we go to Titus 2, if you turn with me to Titus 2, chapter 2, actually, someone keep me honest. Titus 2, verse 11. Can someone confirm that that says, for the grace of God has appeared? Awesome. So I want to look at how encouraging these words are. Titus 2, verses 11 through 15. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. What a way to find encouragement in God's Word. Similarly, we need the encouragement of others to help us stay focused on our mission as Christians. What examples we have when we're facing challenges, whether it be in our personal lives, job lives, school lives, or in our ministries. We need to come alongside each other And be timely reminders of our calling and our godly purpose. And just so happens how much Paul meant to the ministry. His journey and how he was encouraged. And the way he encourages us through the word even today. As we close here, some practical applications of how we can encourage one another... I'd like to look at as they've been modeled in Scripture, but these are some practical examples that we can also apply in our daily lives. The first one words of affirmation. In the book Practicing Affirmation, 
John Piper wrote in the foreword, When our mouths are empty of praise for others, it is probably because our hearts are full of love for self. You know, let's not forget the blessing, encouragement, in the form of affirmation is. And it can come in many forms, at any time, in any season. Proverbs 16.24 says, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. We can encourage one another with words that acknowledge the good things that others are doing or that affirm their worth as children of God. Especially when we think about how we are taught and told to be cautioned against unguarded speech. Look at Ephesians 4.29. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So we should be intentional about that, empathetic, listening genuinely. And from there, may we, may we be led to speak relevant, impactful, edify, edifying words of encouragement. The second thing, acts of service. Encouragement can also come in the form of tangible acts of service. If you look at Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, Paul encourages believers to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So think of ways how we can encourage one another by serving in practical ways. This also served as good examples when we think about how we can comfort others. Providing a meal, offering a ride, helping with a task. Investing in each other's lives as a regular part of our own lives. Another way is prayer and spiritual support. Encouragement can also come in this form. And we look at many ways in which we are called to do so. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Confess our sins and to pray for one another that you may be healed. There's encouragement in that. That we can pray for each other's needs and lift each other up spiritually. My last example is fellowship and community. I think this is an important aspect of encouragement. And we see this in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, where we're encouraged to consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. We can encourage one another by spending time together in community, sharing our struggles, sharing our joys, supporting each other in our faith journeys. This is a selfless act, brethren. 
And it's a community that the Lord blesses. Look around. Look how He's blessed us here. And continues to bless us as we go forward. So in conclusion, uh, these are a few examples of how Christian believers can encourage one another. You know, ultimately, encouragement involves showing love, kindness, and support, but done in intentional ways that build each other up. But ultimately do what? This is not done to make friends and have a group chat that's always buzzing about the latest social trends. No, ultimately, this is to point each other back to Christ. And encouragement is a powerful force that can transform lives and bring glory to God. So may we continue to seek opportunities to encourage others, to build them up, and to help them grow in their relationship with Christ. And may we always remember that as we invest in the lives of others, we are also growing in our own faith. And that there's joy in experiencing seeing others as we encourage them in the same way in which we are encouraged, get to know Christ and grow in their relationship with Him. Amen. So, I did remember this time that we do questions. So I uh, would love to have a little dialogue with you guys if you have any questions. Um, I mean, I'll start just by saying, you know, one, I was very encouraged just in putting this together, but has been encouraged throughout this series. You know, I think there's so many underlining ties each Tuesday of how these are all sort of, there's a oneness about them. You know, there's no mistake why this is one anothering. So uh, with that said, I hope you all were encouraged tonight. Oh, it was easy. Thank you. <laughs>